Pastor Ed Taylor on how the Lord can use what you read in the Word today to help you tomorrow. You need God's Word in your heart, which means you need to regularly be hiding it in your heart, memorizing it, reading it. Some of the things that you're going to face today, God gave you already in your devotions when you were reading the Bible before you ever came to church. God already spoke ahead. Because there's going to be a day when you don't have a Bible. And there's going to be a day when the battery ran out on your phone. And there's going to be a day you're in such deep crisis that you can't just say, stop everybody, I need to get my Bible out and read it because I'm in deep crisis. You're going to be in the heat of the moment. And the Holy Spirit's going to dwell on whatever you have been abiding in your heart. This is amazing grace. It's time for Abounding Grace. Glad you could join us as we round out another week of delivering God's good news. We're in John chapter 15 today, where Jesus speaks of abiding in Him. Today, Pastor Ed Taylor will focus on a wonderful promise of God that He will answer our prayers. Uh, Sure, it may not be what we had hoped for or expect or in our timing, but He will answer. You can be sure of it. John chapter 15 As we study the doctrine of abiding, abiding in Jesus Christ, he is the vine. We learned last time we are the branches. And as we're a branch in the vine, the vine dresser, God the Father, takes care of us. And we're well taken care of in every facet of our lives. No matter what it might look like or no matter what it might feel like, we are well cared for. And the key in our lives is to match the life-giving God of creation with our obedience and our abiding. He says in verse 4, Abide in me, and I in you, Jesus does. One of the things that will greatly help you in teachings like this is to use your sanctified imagination And just see yourself with Jesus, and he's telling you, this is the answer. This is what's heavy on your heart. This is what you've been praying about. Here's the answer. Abide in me, and I in you. And that's where much fruit will come from, that relationship of abiding. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch, it says, verse 4, cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. There'll be no fruit in your life without abiding in Jesus Christ. Jesus didn't say there won't be any good works. Jesus didn't say that there won't be any good deeds. He said there won't be any lasting spiritual fruit that comes through relationship. The the idea of abiding is all about relationship. It's not about religion or religious heritage. It's not this abiding relationship isn't the way we were raised or being in Sunday school or being in a building, worshiping God with a church family. Abiding in Christ is relationship. Just like some of the very close relationships that you can experience on the human realm, where you spend time with someone. 
where you enjoy their company, where you talk and you receive and you enjoy relationship and the fruits of relationship. There is no fruit apart from abiding. That's what Jesus is telling us. Nothing. We get the picture of this well-watered garden where everything is in its place. And I know using the illustrations of gardening that a lot of you can connect with that because you take care of your yard and you're growing vegetables and flowers and, and you take good care of it. And it requires a lot of effort and energy. It requires you to pay attention. You've got to go out there and make sure that the soil is just the right condition. You've got to study these things on when to water, how to water. You've got to study how to deal with the pests and the weeds. And you can't just let them grow up because they'll overtake your garden. And we have a, we have a gardener. We have a father in heaven that takes care of us. He weeds out things in our lives. He, he brings about change in our lives from the inside out. He makes sure that the garden, that the branches, that, that the vine is well taken care of so that the fruit of the vine, in this case the illustration is the grapevine, would be overflowing in our lives. Without all the right conditions, fruit doesn't come. And just like with the nation of Israel, God is looking for fruit from our lives. Fruit that comes naturally. Fruit that comes, you know, there's no need for a tree to work up trying to produce fruit. Trees just do what they do. They just are there. And their roots go down deep into the ground and draw up the nutrients. And through the dynamic process of creation, a tree produces fruit with all the right elements. It has to be in the right area, the right root system, the right nutrients, the right farmer. Fruit comes very naturally. Fruit that... Well, the Bible describes fruit for the believer all over the place. The fruit of the believer includes winning souls, Romans chapter 1. The fruit of the believer includes holiness, Romans chapter 6. The fruit of the believer involves giving of your tithes and offerings. Give financially to help the needs of those around you, Romans chapter 15. Fruit in our lives is helping others practically, Colossians chapter 1. Giving praise to God, Hebrews chapter 13. The greatest the greatest piece of fruit from your life and mine, though, is what? Love. Galatians chapter 5, where the Bible clearly says that the fruit of the Spirit is love that manifests itself in joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So much that God would want to do through your life and mine. And the key is to abide. If you'd like to write in your Bible, circle the word abide in verse 4 and write next to it to stay put. To stay put or to remain or to dwell. It means that you stay put. It has the idea of commitment and perseverance, closeness, permanence, like a permanent attachment. Like, Like you are just there and you don't wander away. In the message translation, really it's a paraphrase. He puts it this way, and I like how he puts it. He says, live in me, make your home in me, just as I do in you. In the same way that a branch can't bear grapes by itself, but only by being joined to the vine, you can't bear fruit unless you're joined with me. You stay put. You don't wander around. You don't hop around. You stick it out, and you stay close. Some of the things that I think of when I think of abiding would be like your house. Your house. You could say that you abide in your house. 
When you head out today, you're going to go to your house, to your apartment, to your town home, your address. You're going to go in. You're going to open the door with your key, or you're going to flip open the garage door. You're going to go in, and you're going to hang out. You can go to the, you're going to be able to go to the refrigerator, take out a drink, go to the couch, pop on the TV, whatever you try. It's your house. You get to abide there. You're going to hang out there. It's a long extended weekend, so you may hang out there a little bit more. You don't have to wake up early in the morning. And you're going to be able to just to hang out and abide. You're going to stay put. Because I know what you're not going to do. What you're not going to do when you leave here is you're not going to go to your neighbor's house and climb in the back window and go in and go right to his refrigerator and take the milk and drink it out of the jug on his couch with his TV. You're not going to do that, I hope. Because that's not your house. You don't abide in someone, else, in someone else's house. You, you don't take advantage of someone's house. I mean, if that's what you do, you go in through the back. Not only are you breaking and entering, but you're squatting. That's not abiding, that's squatting. And soon you will have a new friend with a nice uniform that's been pressed and a shiny badge coming to meet you and ask you, why are you here? You don't belong here. This isn't your house. Well, I just, I wanted to be here. I'm tired of abiding in my house. I've always admired my neighbor's house. He always comes home with two jugs of milk. He can handle it. And the officer says no. And you say yes. I mean, it's so silly. I try to do silly, I try to have some of these silly illustrations to make a point. Because while that would never happen truly for the most part, I never met anybody that did that. It really does describe the life of many believers I've met where they've chosen not to abide in Jesus. But they've left Jesus and went off and have squatted in places they don't belong. They don't belong there. And they've given all the time and energy and effort that is supposed to be going to developing your relationship with Jesus Christ. Not a church, not a pastor, not a movement, but Jesus Christ who gave his life for you, died and shed his blood so innocently did nothing but love and care for us. Even in our worst, the Bible says, Jesus died for us. In our worst, not our best. In our worst. And you find yourself squatting in a place you don't belong. I mean, going into other people, I thought, I remember this time in California that we went out to a conference, and I wanted, I wanted, it was in Costa Mesa, so I wanted to go say hi to my friend and surprise him. So I had a couple guys with me, and we we're going to go to his house one evening and just show up and say, hey, bro, how you doing? It's the brother that invited me to church, and God used so greatly. We grew up together since Little League. So we went off for the evening, and we're going to go, and, and I kind of remembered his house by memory, and we went through, and we drove over there. We pulled up into the driveway. We're so excited. We have the kind of relationship where I'm not going to need to knock on the door. I can walk right in. His house is my house and vice versa. So there we go. We all go in. Okay, be quiet, guys. We're going to surprise him. And we walk into the door, and the house is reeking of marijuana. And a pit bull is looking at me right there in the eyes. No, no joke. And we went in, and there's two guys smoking pot over there, and they go, dude, who are you? We went into the wrong house. Jack lived next door. And we're like, sorry, bro. You know, lucky we didn't get shot or the dog didn't attack us. And we're just like, sorry, bro. And we went over and we told him, we went into Jack's house and told him the story. I didn't belong in the pothouse. I belonged in Jack's house. And that's how our lives are. We need to learn how to abide. Abiding in the Lord. 
developing our relationship with him, living for him, giving ourselves wholly over to him, not squatting all over the place in this worldly system, the way things are in the world, maybe going back to Egypt. We need to learn how to stay put, how to abide. I think of another illustration uh, when it comes to our house. We have a rule in our house. Maybe you have the same rule. And that is, whenever we eat a meal, whenever we have dinner, here's the deal. You eat dinner at the dinner table. You don't take your dinner up to your room. You don't take it into the front room. You don't eat on the couch. If you want to enjoy dinner, you got to stay put at the table. You can't have it any other place. It's going to be on the table. If you want to enjoy dinner, you've got to sit at the table. You could say that, that that rule in our home is, if you want to enjoy dinner, you need to abide with the family. You have to eat it at the kitchen table. You have to stay there. You can't go anywhere else. If you go anywhere else, you won't be able to enjoy dinner. It's very true when it comes to you and me and our, our Jesus. You're not going to be able to enjoy the benefits and the peace that passes all understanding unless you learn how to abide. That's where the fruit comes. Fruit doesn't come from a squatting relationship. Fruit comes from an abiding relationship through thick and thin. So many of you that are married, when you stood at the altar, believer or unbeliever, for Marie and I, we were unbelievers. We took the same covenant, we made the same covenant that anyone else did in marriage, a covenant that God ordained. We looked each other in the eye and we said, part of our vows and part of your vows, I'm sure, is for better or for worse. You know what that commitment was? That was a commitment of abiding in your marriage, a commitment of abiding, that you committed to stay put in the good times, which it's easy, and in the bad times. And there's so much to be said of this abiding relationship with Jesus Christ then leading to other abiding relationships in our lives. I'm sure that you have a few broken relationships along the way in your life. I certainly do. And the source of that broken relationship is a lack of abiding. And it's true with the Lord as well. God desires us to bear fruit. He noticed in verse 5, I am the vine and you are the branches And he who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Notice, for without me you can do, what does your Bible say? Nothing. Let's say it out loud, really loud. For without me you can do? Okay, look at somebody next to you and say, without Jesus you can't do nothing. That's a double negative, but tell them anyway. (laughs) Fix it for me. You can't do, you can do nothing without the Lord. (laughs) You can do nothing. And for those of you that didn't have anybody tell you, I'm telling you right now. You can't do anything without the Lord. You can do nothing. Highlighted in my Bible in a different color to remind me that even if there's output from my life, it will have no eternal value unless it comes from an abiding relationship with Jesus Christ. That means you can do good deeds and it won't affect eternity. That means you can be a good person and it won't affect eternity. That, that means you can be known as a good person and still find yourself apart from Jesus Christ and perhaps missing out on eternity. Why? Because without him you can do nothing. If anyone doesn't abide in me, verse 6, he's cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they're burned. Branches out of the vine don't make it. They wither up. They just sit there. They produce nothing and they dry up and then they're just good for fire. Now we learned last week, and you should get the study of the different options about this branch, but let's say, it, let's say for today a reminder of the Bema seat judgment of Jesus Christ. 
where believers in Jesus will stand before the Bema seat, not the great white throne judgment. The great white throne judgment is a judgment of saints and sinners, those forgiven and not forgiven. It's going to be the separation of your life. Some sent into eternity in the presence of God in a place that we know as heaven, and some separated from God by their own choice for all of eternity in a place that we often refer to as hell. Heaven and hell are equally real. Sin, unforgiven and unrepentant, will send a person to hell. But the blood of Jesus Christ can rescue a person from hell, and that's the good news, that God wants to forgive you. He wants relationship with you. He desires that in your life. But the Bema Seat, B-E-M-A, the Bema Seat mentioned in the book of Corinthians, is a judgment of our works that will be tried by fire, the Bible says. And those that last the fire are purified. Those that are precious, those that were done in an abiding relationship will lead to rewards in our lives. It's just a beautiful thing of God rewarding us for our faithfulness. He doesn't have to do that, but by grace he does that. But then there's going to be a whole lot of works in our lives, the Bible declares in that Bema Seat judgment. But when they're tried by the fire, we're going to find out that it was just wood, hay, and stubble. It's going to burn up. Something we thought was valuable ends up not being valuable at all. Why? Because it wasn't from an abiding relationship with the Lord. This word abide is so, so important. Jesus uses it 15 times. Now you know, when you re- get something repeated to you one or two times, three times, that's pretty important. But 15 times abiding, staying put, remain where you are in the Lord. Stay put. Stay strong in him. That's where fruit comes. Notice, not only that, look at this promise in verse 7. If you abide in me, Jesus says, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so that you will be my disciples. Mark this verse. It is a promise of prayer. This is the promise of answered prayer. I know every single one of us, when we pray, We want God to answer our prayers. And we want God to answer our prayers according to the way that we see it. Otherwise, we wouldn't be asking. And certainly God does answer all our prayers. Sometimes he says no. Sometimes he says yes. Sometimes he says wait. But this is a promise of answered prayer. That when you pray, God will answer it. And he says this. If you abide in Jesus, living in sweet communion with him, and the word is in you, staying in you, flowing from you, then you're going to ask anything and it'll be done for you. Now, I know listening in, perhaps in the room or connected to us on the radio around the country or on the internet right now, around the world, I'm sure there are some saying, it's about time, pastor, that you have finally taught us what the Bible says, that I can name it and claim it with God in my prayer life. Amen. Hallelujah. Not. That's not what this verse is. This verse isn't a blank check for you to command God in your prayer life and to name something by faith because you're God's child and you can tell God what you want and he will condescend to your level and give you what you want. You're not God. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, you're not God. Loudly tell him, you're not God. You got a baby in here? Tell that baby, you're not God. You're not God. I'm not God. God is God and I'm his disciple. He saved and rescued me. My prayer life is in no way an opportunity for me to tell God 
how he is going to rule my life, how he's going to oversee his world, how he is going to navigate in his sovereign power the decisions that he deems necessary that will be best for his kingdom and be best for me that ultimately will bring glory to his name. This is a conditional promise. And there are some conditions to be met for answered prayer. Number one, you're abiding in Jesus Christ. That is an act of obedience on your part. Your relationship is growing in Jesus Christ. You're staying put. Using the earlier illustration, it's like dinner. The step number one, get to the table. We're not taking our food, your food to you. You get to the table. You stay close, stay put in the Lord. Secondly, his word then abides in you, he says. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, that it's at home. Let me show you something we haven't turned yet. Turn over to Psalm 119, would you? Psalm 119, verse 11. Because abiding, God's word abiding in you is so vital, so needed, so necessary. But these days, there's not a big effort from people to have the word of God abide in them. And it's discouraging. I don't know if it's a technology thing where, you know, so many are not using paper Bibles anymore. They're using their iPads or their phones for their Bible. And, and so their, their mind has changed. But in the day, and I'd still encourage you to do this. I, I do it myself. To take a three by five index card and write out the scripture that you want to memorize for the week and put it in your back pocket and take it, take it around. And then you pull it. I don't meet too many people these days are pulling out scriptures from their back pocket. But when I was a new believer, that's all we did. Sometimes we had one in both pockets and we were memorizing two scriptures or a whole chapter. Or I had friends, I was never able to accomplish this. Except I was with one book. I was able, I don't have it all in my head now um, because I didn't keep practicing, but I was able to memorize the entire book of 1 John because it's kind of short. But that was hard. And just really diligently memorizing. Why? Because notice in Psalm 119, uh, pick up in verse, I think, 9 there. We saw this in a different context last time uh, in terms of cleansing your way, being washed by the water of the word. But now let's look at it in a different context. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. You need God's word in your heart, which means you need to regularly be hiding it in your heart, memorizing it, reading it. Some of the things that you're going to face today, God gave you already in your devotions. When you were reading the Bible before you ever came to church, God already spoke ahead. Like that was amazing for me because today's uh, the third. I read the Proverbs every day. So today in uh, Proverbs chapter 3 is the verse that really fits. Where I quoted it last night just from memory, but it really fits because it's for this message where the Bible tells us to guard our hearts. Keep your heart with all diligence because out of it flow the issues of life. That's in today's Proverbs. God already had it all planned out. For the message today in my own personal devos this morning. Because there's going to be a day when you don't have a Bible. And there's going to be a day when the battery ran out on your phone. And there's going to be a day you're in such deep crisis that you can't just say, stop everybody, I need to get my Bible out and read it because I'm in deep crisis. You're going to be in the heat of the moment. And the Holy Spirit's going to dwell on whatever you have been abiding in your heart. We've been in the Gospel of John today on Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor is leading us verse by verse through the entire book. 
Would you like to hear today's message again? You can listen online 24-7 at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Another way to go is to download our church app. Do a search for Ed Taylor. With Pastor Appreciation Month in mind, we've selected a book that we believe will be a great encouragement to your pastor. It's Ed Taylor's book, Sure and Steady, Learning and Growing in Pastoral Ministry. Topics include your personal walk with the Lord, the heart of a pastor, serving the people, using your time well, and inviting yourself into the lives of others. We'll send you a copy with our thanks for a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. Call 877 Grace. That's 877-30-GRACE. Or order it online at calvaryco.store. We can't thank you enough for your support. God is doing a wonderful work through the radio and internet these days, and you can be a part of it. Call toll-free 877-30-GRACE or go online to AboundingGraceRadio.com. Well, that's all the time we have for today, but do come back next time when we'll resume Pastor Ed Taylor's study of the Gospel of John on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.